evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. What is happening, all of my Shantonians? It's your middle-aged homeboy, Chris Davis, hanging out with another one of those exclusive Shanty Radio Artist Deep Dives, and I am super, super blessed and excited to have a dope conversation with Travis Rybarski. Did I say your last name right? Absolutely nailed it. That's what I'm talking about, guys. I am getting better at this. I am a trained professional. My guy, man, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, dude. Always love talking to you. Yeah, we've had a lot of cool conversations over the, the years, and I, I thought it would be really cool to re actually record one. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? We've had, we've had some uh, really cool guests on the show. Um, you know, we uh, last week we had a really cool chance to talk to one of the you know pioneers, I would say. The more I got to talk to him, the more that I really... Uh, was able to see that uh, in a different part of hip-hop, you know, in, in the b-boying culture, in, in graffiti, and those kinds of things. But I'm an MC at heart, right? So I love talking to other MCs and understanding, you know, what gets them motivated, what inspires them, and all those things. And, and I think it's really great for other artists that maybe are just starting out to, to hear, you know, people's journeys, right? Nobody's right. journey in this... I wanted to say game, but I hate calling this thing the game. Nobody's uh, journey in this culture is the same. I don't think. I think that everyone's is unique. And I think the more that we can learn about an artist, the better that we understand their art. Um, and so I, I love doing these. And so I appreciate you, man, ha taking the time. Yeah, man. We always go deep. It's going to be weird to just talk about like more rap stuff today. Man, we talk about your, whatever, bro. You we got can... your rapper interview voice on. Damn. Yo, this is Chris. You're right, But we always, we always talk about like fatherhood and God and the meaning of life and how we're expressing ourselves authentically and... Uh, Absolutely. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that as well. There's no there's no set. Uh, we were just talking before we started recording and I said, let's just see where this goes, man. Yeah. I, I think those organic conversations are dope. But uh, and I'm glad your boy Josiah is in the room, too, because I feel like I've, I've never felt more closeness and appreciation with you than I have recently interacting with Josiah about his music and then getting to see secondhand the way that you support your son as an artist and how like the integrity that he has in it as an artist, the authenticity yeah. of his art. And how I see, like, when I saw you on stage, Josiah, and I was I was sitting with Tommy Cassidy in the theater when you were performing, and I was like, this is an artist with a good father. Because this guy is, like, completely authentic, completely himself. You can tell that he's not molded. You can tell that he's supported and encouraged. And uh, it gave me an enormous appreciation for you and 
that's been kind of the catalyst for some of our conversations lately. So yeah, I just man, want to give respect to you for that, man. I man, I, I appreciate it, and, and uh, yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. It, it means a lot to hear that. Um, you know, I've always said whenever anyone's talked to me about Josiah, and if you, I know you're sitting here, but I'm still going to talk about you. Um, you know, one thing I never wanted to do was to push any of my kids to do anything. Um, I wanted to be supportive of them and make sure that they had the tools to be successful. And, you know, as, as Sai started to get more recognition for his art and who he is, you know, a lot of people will, will say, oh man, you know, you, you, you must've helped him with this or helped him with that. And like, I'll just set the record straight here. I never helped him with anything. No, you can tell. Cause it doesn't sound anything no, like your music. Completely like, different. It sounds like a 14 year old of today making dope ass music. That's authentic to a 14 right. year old of today. It doesn't right. sound like you at all. And it's a testament. I would say to him and his work ethic, right. To teach himself how to record himself, to teach himself how to mix. And he knows how to do things that I don't know how to do. Uh, partly because I just never took the time to learn. And partly because he's just naturally able to pick this stuff up. Right. And, and, and not naturally to say um, it's easy because it's never easy. But to, to have the work ethic and the the grit to kind of get through some of those early times. We were laughing. I sent him a video of, of, of a song that he did uh, when we lived in Minnesota. And he was like seven years old. Hell yeah. Uh, and he wrote a rap and recorded it. Yeah. And just looking at it, you know, from, from that time frame to now and... You know, as a as a hip hop lover, and even more so as a father, I think the the pride that I have in that is in somebody discovering themselves, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that you and I have chatted about the, this idea of identity and and being authentic and being who you are, right? Like, um, I don't look like a normal rapper. Thanks, Siri. I don't look like a normal rapper, right? I never carried myself that way, but I always wanted to be me. Um, right. I, at the at the expense maybe of opportunities, I wanted to be me. Um, and, and I think that that's at the end of the day, I can look at myself in the mirror, and I know that that my biggest hope, and I and I think that it is happening right now, is that my son could look himself in the mirror and be and be okay with the person looking back at him, mm-hmm. right? Without that regret or without the mask of oh, I have to put this mask on in this room or this mask on in this room and. You know, there's a lot of reasons for that uh, that we probably don't have time to get into at this moment. But I think that that's one of the most important things that we can do as human beings. And then it naturally translates into who we are as artists Mm -hmm. uh, by by doing that. Right. Being comfortable in your own skin makes you comfortable as an artist. Right. Um, But, you know, talking about art and and kind of, you know, how we even got to be in this place. I'd love uh, if you just take a few minutes and, and maybe just share your journey. Like, I think that your journey is unique uh, in how you came to the to be the artist that you are today um, with different different paths. And I think it would just be cool to dig into that a little bit and kind of talk about a like, how did you kind of find this crazy life and this crazy thing called hip hop uh, and, and kind of the journey that has taken you from maybe that first discovery to, to now? And obviously we can stop and start throughout that. But I just thought that would be an interesting topic to start with. You know, when, as I've been interacting with uh, with King Reds, with Daniel recently, and Rough Cut since we're doing this event, I've more and more come to realize that I'm not really from hip-hop culture, and I don't really identify with hip-hop culture so much as I've always identified with rapping. Mm. Like, kind of divorced from its elemental brothers and sisters, just rapping has always made sense to me. And so, now I'm learning more about the other elements of hip-hop and how they make rapping a more well-rounded sport and art, and that's a new journey for me now. 
But chapter one really of my journey as a rapper was just every time I heard like a rapper, when I listened to rap music when I was young, um, cause so my parents were split, mom's side, we always listened to rap, dad's side, it was more rock, but he had a one Eminem album, which is uh, Marshall Mathers LP, mm-hmm. because he loved his song with uh, Dido or Dido or whatever. He loved Stan. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. He loved the chorus on Stan, so he had the album, which had Kim and all sorts of just crazy right, shit right, on right. it. He had no idea. So when he wasn't home, I'd listen to that on repeat. Yeah. And then at my mom's, we listened to rap all the time. And something about the technical, the technicals of the art form always just jumped out at me naturally, like. If I heard a rapper, um, like I remember the first time that I heard somebody rhyme the first half of a word at the end of a line instead of the last syllable of the word. And I think it was ludicrous and he got to the end of the line and the rhyme was ow. And so he wrote thou, zind, put zind on the next line. And I was like, you can use the first half of a word as the end of a line. So for some reason, those thoughts always just went through my head. was like, oh, that's how you can do that. So it felt like it was just a part of my DNA to piece together words like that. And um, then I moved out of my dad's when I was like 16 or 17 and I was living in this little apartment complex with my brother. We had neighbors. Actually, no, one step before, like I wrote my first rap when I was probably in like fifth grade and it was Mm -hmm. a reflection on my uh, brother-in-law's addiction. And I wrote a rap about it and then showed my family and everybody was just like, oh, that's cool. Um, I think my mom was worried about it uh, and King Red's interview that we just did on in this same sit down right here, he said that he was like, uh, teachers were paranoid about breakdancing being a gang related thing. So my mom felt that way about rapping. It was like, gotcha. rapping is gang related. I don't want you doing that. Um, but it was just a self-expression that always stood out to me. So I wrote raps when I was really young. And then um, when I moved out and I was 16 or 17, I had neighbors with a studio. So I went over and this guy, Saxon Harville, goes by Spectrum sat me down and taught me a 16 bar structure he was like hey you're really talented let me teach you the basics you you one two three four this is how you count out one bar it's gonna rhyme at the end learn the structure that's your friend we're gonna do it like this and then get to the next line he just taught me exactly how to rap like the basics started writing songs recording with them and then uh so that's kind of chapter one it's just like seeing people rap and realizing i want to learn how to do that and getting the basics Chapter two was getting obsessed with rap battles on YouTube. Yeah. Um, there was this one kid named King Doms who I watched on Ahad all the time. He had long hair, really punchline heavy, super funny, super approachable. Like the kinds of things that he said weren't like, battle rap now is so niche, niche down that you have to be an active fan of battle rap to know what the hell they're talking about. Right, right, right. right. But he was someone that was just entertaining to watch right off the bat. And then... Um, I was watching him for a long time, but I didn't like need to do a battle until I saw Disaster Kill uh, can- Cannabis. Gotcha. When I saw Disaster yep. Kill Cannabis, I was like, no way a human being can do that to another human being with <laughs> words. Holy shit. And I think in my relationship with my dad, my voice had been suppressed. Gotcha. So when I saw Disaster do that to Cannabis, I was like, I want to fuck somebody up like right. that. That looks incredible. It, that's the, you know, when you, when you don't have a feeling of power or control right and you find that glimpse of it like i can be powerful doing this right then it's like it almost becomes uh, a need to know what that feels like yeah and so you go after it right and that yeah that spurred me like when i was in seventh grade i wrote an article in the school newspaper arguing that we need a debate club 
So how much more argumentative can you be to argue <laughs> that you need a debate club in the newspaper? Like, I just wanted to battle with words besides wanting to rap as a, as a ex creative expression. So there wasn't a battle rap scene. So I just invited a buddy named Kenny to do it. I just posted on Facebook, somebody want a battle. Yeah. Somebody took me up on it. Um, Marquise, Kyle, uh, Who's it? Harley, Psychotic, yeah. Brandon, B. Schuler, and Tony Capital. The five of them were doing a cypher and they were filming it. Is that the so, one that they did in the park? It was at the fingernail yeah. in Howard yeah. Amon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we offered Justin Frick an extra $20 to film our rap battle and he filmed our rap battle for $20. Fantastic. And then after that, we like posted on Facebook a little event page and we met up in a um, parking lot and lit it up with headlights and did a rap battle in a parking lot. Yep. And then other people wanted to battle. So we had like five battles at one event and we did an event at the skate park without a license and almost got shut down. And then we moved it to Ray's and started yep. battling at Ray's. And then when the Uptown Theater opened, we talked to them about doing a battle there. And, uh, and then uh, I sent a demo video of my best bars to King of the Dot and they mm -hmm. invited me to battle in Vancouver. So I went to Vancouver and they liked the footage of our scene. So King of the Dot came and did an event here. And then we partnered with King of the Dot on an event in Olympia. And uh, I did some battles in Seattle and stuff. And then I hit a wall where it was just like, I got it out of my system. Right. Like whatever nut I was trying to get, I got. Yeah, and yeah. I was just not interested in doing it anymore. And so that died off and I just became way more interested in music. Um, and I think like once I got that out of my system and I felt like, okay, I... I went from feeling like my voice wasn't invited to the table to expressing myself like completely. And I was like, okay, but now what am I expressing myself for? Like, what exactly am yeah, I doing? Like, I got you. We raised money for charity with the battles, which was cool. And we gave a lot of people a fun thing to do, which was cool. But I was like, I want my words to be useful for something deeper than, than this. And so I was just craving something deeper. So then took a turn toward music. That's cool, man. Uh, something that you said, a, a couple of the different things that you said really stood out to me. Uh, you know, the the having parents with different genres, right? Like, mm -hmm. I always tell people that, you know, when they're asking me about my influences and those kinds of things, I'm like, my parents are split up too. And like, one weekend I would be in the church choir with my mom and the next weekend I'd be at a country western bar with my dad, yeah. right? And then I ended up being the hip hop guy, right? Yeah. But it was that it... Was that it seeing music and what it could do and what and i just knew i wanted that i wanted to feel that which takes me to another thing that you said that maybe I, i'd like to maybe dig into a little bit because i think maybe you're, mm. you've gone on a journey on this a little bit but i find when people fall in love with hip-hop and this isn't everybody this is definitely a generalization but usually it's like two buckets of people there's people that love the technicality of rap and putting words together and you know bending phrases and multis and all of those kinds of things. And then I think there's there's people that fall in love with the feeling of hip-hop or rap. Mm -hmm. uh, I was the, the latter. Like, I fell in love with the way that the music made me feel. Not even from, like, a beat perspective, which I obviously that... To me, there's, there's very few things in life that are more beautiful than when a beat matches the lyrics of an MC perfectly. Right. When it's just that perfect combination, like... Give it, put it in my veins. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, yeah. like the most beautiful thing to me. But totally. I, I fell in love with uh, the feeling of it, right? Tupac, uh, DMX, um, a lot of those artists that, again, we were talking about this in the last episode, but 
that maybe I couldn't connect with on a we live the same life. But the words that they said expressed and the way that they said them, not even just what they said, but the way that they said them made me feel like they were talking to me directly mm-hmm. and express and explaining what I was thinking in my head. But I couldn't ex- I couldn't express. Right. Right. A lot of times. And, and this, is, again, is not uh, I wouldn't say is exclusive, but I think a lot of times you grow up in broken homes or grow up with trauma as, as a youngster. You don't know how to express yourself. Because you internalize it all, yeah. right? You're always looking in the mirror, like whether it's conscious or not. Like, what did I do that influenced this decision? Or, or there's nobody. It's instability. I don't know who to talk to. So those were my counselors, mm-hmm. right? I used to listen to DMX slipping. When I was in high school, I ended up being uh, living in my car for a while, and every morning I would listen to DMX slipping and Tupac's Unconditional Love every morning, and that was the only way that I could get through the morning to go to school. Cause I knew I had to go to school, right? I knew I needed to, to progress, but yeah. I couldn't mentally do it until I'd gotten that out of my system. Yeah. Right. I had to, it's almost like they say, like, you have to have a good cry sometimes. Like I had to have that moment of, of rage mixed with sadness in the morning and get it out of my system so that I could go to school and make everybody think that I was okay. Mm. Um, and and I, so to me, that's where I fell in love with the music. And so first, do you think, do you agree with that? Do you think that that, does that resonate with you? And then the second part of that question, going into your last statement, you know, thinking about, I wanted to know, I wanted my words to mean something. Do you feel like you're now, or has there been a part of your journey where you have, I wouldn't say, because listening to the you rap and the way you put words together, the technical part of you is obviously never left. You're very technical as an MC. But do you find yourself leaning into some of the emotional stuff more now as you're trying to write stuff? that elicits a maybe not a reaction but a change or an influence yeah for sure i when i made music while i battled it was still a lot more intellectual and blocky and technical and it was less um pouring out of me so much as it was being i i was i was producing blocks and then piecing the little blocks together so still a creative process but there's a barrier between what's creative in you and the creative outlet and the barrier is all the hyper intellectualization and piecing it together and trying to make sure that it works perfectly and so when I hear my early music that I made while I was still battling and um and I I think just in that place like because I I had a really big personal turning point in 2018 and it was after I ate shrooms for the first time that I I had an experience where I was like holy shit life is alive like life is conscious like this is all one thing and we're from one source and there's like a a personal alive richness to existence and i and then i did a bunch more shrooms and just went off the off the rocker <laughs> right, right and so then i had to find this middle ground of like okay what does it mean now for me to have had this experience where i feel like i'm not just like an existent being separate from life but really embedded with life itself and now how do i walk that out in a grounded way And so then I found like spiritual practices and stuff like that. And then after that point, all of my music started to sound a lot less blocky and a lot more like directly expressive. And Mm. uh, it was more pouring out of me. And then looking back, I think what I appreciated about rappers was that they were well integrated, whole people that were completely expressing themselves in all that they are. Like, it's not unusual for a rapper to talk about power and sexuality and their relationship with god and their resentments all in one song 
Yeah. So they're just like, here's the full range of what it means to be human. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not apologetic about any aspect of it. And uh, when you're, you're not able to express yourself completely. And so you end up kind of repressed and divided. Something like that is like this beacon of hope. Like, right. whoa, you can be everything that you are. Like you can, emb- you can embrace your whole self. And somebody now who embodies that for me, who I look up to is J. Cole. Yeah. I think he's profoundly honest about his humanness and his spiritual journey and um, has has retained the quality of being a regular dude despite the status that he has in, in the, the music industry or in hip-hop culture. So at that point, it was um, early on, it was pretty much Eminem, Lil Wayne, and Drake because Lil Wayne and Drake was what my sister was listening to and Eminem was what I had at my dad's. Um, but now it would be like, like J. Cole and Jay-Z and Kendrick guys who are well integrated in that sense they express everything that they are and now i i don't know i think now my music is not even generally that biographical like i want to tell my story and express myself and express my feelings in music it's like i think the highest thing that i can do with music is wrestle out loud with my relationship to my higher power in a completely authentic way not putting it in any boxes or promoting any ideologies or traditions or anything like that but what is real in myself what is my source authentically in my experience what does that mean to me um what is truth to me what is genuine love to me what is creativity itself and that requires like a wrestling like yeah. i'm like a limited being that has some conception of the unlimited being or being itself so i just want to wrestle out loud with that in a completely sincere honest way and that's what i think the best thing that i could do with music and what feels most authentic to me man i i, I love that i don't think i could agree more i think to be human is is to be contradictory yeah um super paradoxical being. and i loved what you were saying about you know again I talk about hip hop more so because that's the world that I immerse myself in most mostly. Right. But to me, there's nothing more freeing and terrifying as writing a song. Probably in any genre. Right. One of my favorite, I always tell people, they're like, well, who are your favorite artists or who's your favorite songwriters? To me, my favorite songwriters, the two that I would say, if I was to tell people, this is what songwriting is to me. Again, I'll go to Tupac, which I'll always go to because mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a person who was less afraid to show their contradictions in who they were yeah, than sure. Tupac, yeah, right? That's dope. Um, and that makes somebody human to me. And now they're approachable. Now now I know that, you're, that you have the same thoughts that I do. I wake up some days and I'm pissed and I want to burn the world down. Yeah. I wake up sometimes and I'm super introspective and I just want to give my mom a hug. Yeah. And then I wake up sometimes where I'm just like, maybe I want to do both in within three seconds and then I want to go get faded and then I want to go, you know what I mean? Like right. all of that stuff. So from a very, very early age, from the moment I started writing music, I always was from that approach of I'm just going to be blatantly myself and as as raw as I can possibly be about right. who I am and what I think. The other songwriter that I love is Garth Brooks. Mm. Because I don't know if there's a I don't better know anything about Garth Brooks. I, have you know, obviously old school country, whatever. I grew up listening to my dad was a country western singer. So yeah. I grew up hearing that stuff. I don't know if there's a better storyteller in music than Garth Brooks. He will tell a story that will make you again. I'm not like, I'm never, I never, was, I, when I was little, I dressed like a cowboy, right? My dad was in a country western bar, so I would be, you know, I'd be in the bar at like 
seven, eight years old at like 12 o'clock <laughs> at night, you know, running around in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat or whatever. But tells he will tell a story that will make me say, gosh, man, I can, I can see it. Yeah. I can literally see. I can and, and, and you know you you'll hear you people gain say life experience by following along with the story just as yes, a listener right and, and, and i think that the, what separates the artists that i think that are really really good at this uh, i would put dmx in this as well i would put um you know some uh, i agree i agree with you on j cole um nf as an artist that i would put into this where it's not just that i can see it i can feel it i can taste it yeah i can uh, you know, they, they say, you know, everyone's had this happen where you'll hear a song that you listen to like back in the day and you smell something, right? Cause it's tied into your brain and yeah. your brain will trigger those things. And I think that that is the most beautiful thing about art in general is that ability to elicit that in somebody else by being, by sharing of yourself. Yeah. Right. Can I do some, I used to, we used to talk all the time about if I can make one person get up tomorrow and face their day. And that's all I need. I never, I never really was like one that wanted to, you know, you always want to get signed. You want to do your art for a living, whatever. Like when I was, when I was coming up, that was the thing, right? You needed to get signed. You needed to do whatever. It was, never, you need to get signed and now it's, you need to get X amount of followers. Right, right. And it's, I just never was into it Yeah. all that much. I loved doing shows. I loved opportunity. I, the only reason I wanted any level of success was because I wanted more opportunities to do what I, what I wanted to do, but I didn't right. really care about any other stuff. Yeah. I wanted to finish a show and have a dude come up to me. Uh, this happened to me in Pendleton where a guy walked up and said, man, I listen to your song every day before I go into my job at the grocery store. Like, if like I don't, you experienced with- Yes, yeah. 100%. And to me, that's like that full circle moment of art. And as an artist, yeah. if you can create that full circle moment, what, what more do we need? Right. You know, I just think that that is, uh, yeah, I can't even remember where I was going with it. I got kind of lost in that part of that conversation. But it's just, to me, that's what I think I strive for in, in all things that I do is to make that connection and to to do something that makes me or that can elicit that in someone else's whether that's uh, mentoring somebody whether that is creating art whether that is whatever it might be yeah um you you mentioned earlier when you're talking about like artists that you looked up to that you may not have related to the specifics but you related to the themes and yeah. I I think even if uh, even if you don't relate to the themes at all that an artist is expressing, there's something about seeing a person be completely authentic about who they are that just gives you permission. Like, yeah. there, if you see somebody who's blue be completely blue and you're green, you realize you can be completely green, and even if you have nothing in common with them. And uh, I think that's partly what I loved about it so much. And I think that's why... Uh, solo acts and, and rappers are getting so much more popular is like... There's just something compelling about one human I have to say, this is exactly what's on my mind. And the more they're honest about everything that they are, the more it gives you permission to be honest about everything that you are. And that's like, the, the implications to that are massive because you can't heal or integrate or deal with anything that you can't put your awareness on. So anything about ourselves that we're uncomfortable with, we just deny and repress. But if you can look at everything that you are, you can actually deal with everything that you are. And so you see an artist be honest about everything that they are, and you start to get more honest about everything that you are, you start to become a more whole, a more healed, a more enlightened, a more authentic, a more complete person as a result of being given that permission. And like there's there's not much doper that you can give somebody than that, than permission to be right. to look at everything. You see the darkest thing in you? Well, you can look at it though. It's right. in there and it's a part of the complete picture. And the complete picture is perfect. Um, 
that's what artists are for. They're to be beacons of that wholeness. Yeah. No, that's, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, one of the things that we do here on these episodes too is like to dig into to music from artists, right? And I know that we've played a couple of, of your tracks over the last couple of weeks and maybe I played one more than I was supposed to, but uh, we'll leave yeah, that. Yeah, I sent you two and I said you could play one. Nah. And I saw you at the show and you're like, I played both. And I'm like, I, I, I'm yeah. going to take that as a compliment. Look, man, I do I do what I want. No, they were <laughs> they were fantastic. So I, I definitely wanted to. But I, I we used to do this thing back in the day called the Listening Lounge. I don't know if you ever heard about this. Uh, I put out an album in 2012 and we did this thing called the Listening Lounge where I went through every we didn't do a release show. We did a sit down like people had drinks. We sat down and I went through every yeah. song on the album and explained it where I was at and right, why right. I was thinking, you know, for that same kind of thing to give some stuff. So I'd love to, to get into planes and play yeah, that for, sure. for people. But well, what are, what are your thoughts on it first? Cause I, you and Josiah both listened to it a few times, I think, and, and liked it. What did it remind you of? What did you think I was going through? I will say this. I got lost in the beauty a little bit. Cool. Of just being like in that moment of of the different layers within it and i don't think that i spent time like dissecting lyrics like i would normally um but was more into just the way that it made me feel um and and we were recording the episode so i was going through it and then i i think daryl was here for that episode so we, i played it again for him and we just kind of were sat and kind of looked at each other like man travis because I, right, I, I remember you from the battle days. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I hadn't heard a lot of, like, the newer stuff that you were doing. And so you had played some stuff for me. We saw each other at an event, like a marketing event, and you had played yeah, some stuff the theater, for me. Yeah, because I was working as a yeah, sound yeah. guy. And, and I was listening yeah. to that. But, of course, that's, like, an event, right? You're not, I can't really listen to it all the way. Yeah. Um, But I would say that that was the first thing that got out, that stood out to me. Um, And I'll just be honest, I don't think I've spent enough time with it because it's, it's not direct smack you in the face punchline like right. it's not a battle rap right, right. it is there is it has a re-listening uh component to it where i think it's one of those songs too where the more you listen to it the more you're gonna get out of it mm -hmm. it's kind of the, cool. the, the takeaway that i had from it sweet what did it make you feel a, a couple different things it made me feel introspective it made me feel uh slightly hopeful um but I would say it, it also made me just feel like inviting. It invited me to be introspective, cool. even if I didn't know why I was being introspective. The Sweet. way the way that your voice went over, obviously the beat and then your voice with it, um, it made me want to say, and you know what, I'll be honest with you, that might, might, might be a reason why I haven't spent as much time with it as I would normally. Because it's a scary thing to get very introspective. Yeah, yeah. It you know what I'm like, saying? It seems like it before you do it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and then life gets in the way or whatever. Yeah. You, you know, we, we can have a thousand excuses for whatever. Um, but yeah, I would say that. Cool. Yeah. What about, what were you going for when you created it? I wasn't going for anything, but what I was experiencing that led to it authentically emerging was, uh, was transcendental meditation, which is a, a practice where you give your whole awareness to a little sound, like a little mantra. Uh-huh. And once your whole awareness is absorbed in the sound of the mantra, you end up spontaneously dropping all of your all of the stuff that you normally carry around your identities your roles your misconceptions your past your future your ideas your goals all of the stuff that we carry around like like heavy clothing all the time that prevents us from just being kind of empty and authentic and um and 
if, if when you give all your awareness to one thing and you kind of abandon everything else, you have this experience of oneness that makes you very unafraid to be introspective. Because before, before you experience that kind of inner silence, you feel like there's something about introspection that threatens your mode of being or threatens your sense of self because you might realize that your sense of self is bullshit and that would represent a kind of frightening psychological death. Yeah. But once you experience perfect inner stillness and, uh, and you realize that it does nothing but heal you and free you, uh, it really makes you comfortable in silence and comfortable in darkness and comfortable in aloneness. And in the chorus of that song, what I'm saying is, way up in the light, I've flown on planes I can't describe, I swear. And I'm saying planes as in like planes of reality, not as in like airplanes. Well, both. I guess, so I guess it's sure. still kind of a bar. So it's, it's a still slightly it's a double. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Way up in the light, I've flown on planes I can't describe, I swear. Changing the mind I thought I had. No body means no cares. So I'm talking about not having a mind, not yeah, having yeah, yeah. a body. Um, way up in the world with every soul, yet nobody goes there. So I'm saying I'm experiencing that level of unity that everyone shares where individual characteristics and distinctions disappear and we just experience what we are fundamentally. And then in the verses, I'm, I'm kind of shaking off a lot of clunky religious ideas about the consequences of death. And I'm, I'm expressing how much I trust that when I die, I'll have a completely loving, reasonable experience. Like mm. when I die, there will be people that love me and trust me. I don't know about people, but beings that love sure. me and know me and want the best for me and want to help me continue on my adventure, want to, you know, it, it'll be a reasonable experience. Um, not to, you know, there's all sorts of religions with different theories about what it's going to be. And I wasn't trying to say, you know, there's a right way, but just that I trust it. Like mm. the same uh, loving rationality that this world is made out of, every world is made out of, and what's going to happen on the other end is going to be reasonable. So I'm saying things on there like, I'm not going to suffer. I'm not going to be tormented. I'm also not going to dwell on the negative. I'm going to look back on the great memories. I'm going to look back and just comfortably learn from the things that I learned in this life. Uh, I'm gonna feel unconditional love and healing and grace, and uh, and then in in one of the bridges, I'm talking about the the Christ archetype in a kind of mystical way, not as a figure that's propped up in evangelicalism, but as the unity of life and its personality and how much it loves us. And uh, so yeah, that's what the song was about. And yeah, it wasn't I like it. I want to write a song about this stuff. Sure. It's just. Because one of the other songs on the project is about smoking weed and having sex on the beach. Right. Uh, because that was what I was doing at that time. And they're both, you know, valid. Like, you know, right. not trying to make a spiritual project or anything, but I was really excited about meditation. And I, so that's what I was singing about at that time. Man, that's awesome. Well, let's, let's get into it. Yeah. Shall we? Play so it. right here we have Planes on the Shanty Radio with Travis Rybarski. Produced by Smoke M2D6. That's right. Learn it. Waving the light, I'm flown on planes I can't describe, I swear. Changing the mind, I thought I had nobody means no cares. Way up in the world with every soul, yeah, nobody goes there. Nobody goes there. Waving the light, I'm flown on planes I can't describe, I swear. Changing the mind, I thought I had nobody means no cares. Way up in the world with every soul, yeah, nobody goes there. Nobody goes there. First day that I wake on the other side I'm looking back like I coulda, shoulda, woulda tried In multiple chapters that close like without fold And I'm sure going all in would've brought me to gold And I need a good pass I've chosen 
Wake up in the sky on frozen I'm waking to God like I'm ready for another ride Ramping up in the stars on coasting I take no time at all to miss the chapters It had time to pass by in moments I take no space at all Can't describe my own self I hold me in place Till I'm prepared to fall from grace Nine to five, United States Chase the love, love the chase Find the key, change the world Back to heaven's gates Way up in the light I've flown on planes I can't describe, I swear Changing the mind I thought I had Nobody means no cares Way up in the world with every soul And nobody goes there Nobody goes there Way up in the light I've flown on planes I can't describe, I swear Changing the mind I thought I had Nobody means no cares Way up in the world with every soul And yeah, nobody goes there Nobody goes there There's no future I can Presence, I got eyes to see Destiny got time for me Yes, you may climb you please Crack your sheet behind his knees Take me when it's my time to peace Hang me up like Christ the King Lay us out on diamond sheets Show me things he flies to see How this life applies to me Different worlds he dies to be Perfect gifts he prized for free Numerous deaths and lives he sees How that one divides in threes Dimensions he slices neat How could he conceive the devil's vice? First day that I wake on the other side Tell you right now, the last thing I do is count up all of my sins Unless of course I gotta tie loose ends and pay my debts I think first to look back on the times I'm blessed When I submitted a request and God said yes Miracles rained on my desk Sit back, take my first real breath to relieve my stress Check the closets, flip the channel, clean the closets Review the battles and contemplate what's next I see no faults at all, I'm writing songs with all my dreams Like notes in my head, I make no plans at all I like the seasons thus far, I'd like to see the rest Way up in the light, I've flown on planes I can't describe, I swear Changing the mind, I thought I had nobody means no cares Way up in the world with every soul, yeah, nobody goes there Nobody goes there Way up in the light, I've flown on planes I can't describe, I swear Changing the mind, I thought I had nobody means no cares Way up in the world with every soul, yeah, We are back at the shanty. This is your middle-aged homeboy, Chris Davis, hanging out with Travis Rybarski. We just got done listening to Planes. Uh, I started to, to make a thought, and then He Travis tried said, to cut the spiritual shit out of the interview. He's no, like, I wasn't he's trying like, to cut the spiritual No, let me out. say something, and then we'll turn the microphones back on. Um, no, turn them on. I, the line that... And, and I'll ask you to repeat it, because I obviously yeah. I don't know where for where, but, but this idea of you know taking stock maybe at the end of the day. Um, yeah. say, say the line that you just told me First day that I wake on the other side The last thing I do is count up all of my sins Unless of course I gotta tie loose ends And pay my debts But I think first to look back on the times I was blessed Yeah and, and I like how you said after that When we were just talking for a second You know it's not like a I'm not dwelling in it, but I'm like, there's a difference between dwelling and acknowledgement. Yeah. And, I, and I think that you, you have to acknowledge the truth of things are, um, because I believe in accountability and I believe as uh, accountability as a verb. Yeah. That yeah it's one that thing to you? say like, Oh, I'm acknowledging this, but, it, but true accountability is doing something about it. And yeah. the, the line that stuck out to me was the make amends. Um, and the reason why is because, you know, not to get overly spiritual on, on the local hip hop podcast, 
But I, I find that so many times people are like, oh, I said I, I'm said i sorry to God about this thing. Like, I'm forgiven for this, whatever, which is true. And I'm not trying to dispute that to somebody. Yeah. But I do think that there is something that is powerful about the idea of I have grieved somebody. And it could be yourself. Sometimes you have to make amends to yourself. I have done something. I made a choice. I did whatever. And how do I then help heal that riff of whatever it was? whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in my own view of myself as a human being, whether it's in uh, something I said I was going to do when I didn't do, whatever the case might be, right. I think that you have to take that next step of saying, I acknowledge what was done to me or by myself, and now I'm going to be accountable, which means I'm going to have to do something, which leads to actual repentance, which in the actual wording of that, in the, in the as it was written, means a 180 degree turn. Yeah. Right. So you ha there's an action that re that is required from that. Right. And I think sometimes we get so lost up in that I'm acknowledging what I did wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And we don't ever take a step forward in any direction. And if, if we dwell in the guilt, then it's harder to take accountability because if I wrong you and then I come back to you later and I'm just like absorbed in guilt. My, right. In my apology to you, or my making amends with you, I'm gonna accidentally make it all about me it is, and it my has ego, become all about and how I feel all of this guilt instead 100%. of being like, it's not about me, it's about you and the the way that, and I'm gonna affirm to you that you deserve more than what I did. You deserve better than what I did. It's about affirming you and lifting you right. up and correcting the error, not about me kind of stroking my ego by being so guilty. Right, so right. Sorry. I can't even tell you, man, the amount of conversations. We'll get back to the music in a second. I cannot even <laughs> tell you the amount of conversations I've had. This is technically about the song that's true with with very religious people people that i really care about mm -hmm. and every time that they they talk about spirituality or talk about religion in this case or in that case it's all about what oh, i have to get better i am wrong i need god to fix me i need this i need yeah. you know and it's like all that is is ego it's it going is. back to the very same i mean we're, we're in it now folks if you don't like to have this conversation you can just get <laughs> off the podcast now i won't be mad at you <laughs> But if you go back to even in the religious text, the before you do, come to uh, my performance on March 9th. Yes, come to March 9th, be there, Uptown Theater. It's not going to be this deep. Um, but if you think about it, the original kind of issue in the Bible where where the separation would have happened, it wasn't the, the overseer God that separated himself from us. It's us that separated ourselves because we hit. Yeah. Right. And th yeah. at that moment, we made it about us. Right. We made it that I'm it making the, ever since I'm making the judgment that because of the way I look at myself, I am no longer good enough for you. Right. And we do that in our relationships as well. Right. Whereas like if I make a mistake, you know, I'll, I'll use my own life. Like if I make a mistake and, and do something that offends my wife, for instance, I might have a tendency then to make it all about me when I go and talk to her about it. Yeah. I shouldn't have done this. I'm a bad husband. I have an anger problem. I'm hurt. I'm I'm broken as a person. Whatever the case might be, right? Right. When what I really need to do is walk up there and say, I you mean more to me than the what I portrayed to you. Right. And you are worth more than what I gave to you. Right. And leave it at that. I don't even need to say I'm gonna do better next time. Because then that's putting it on me again that I'm in control of that other person's emotions and feelings and the way that they're in, that they feel about something that I've done. Yeah. And that's not the case. The case is that person deserves me to accept how they feel. Yeah. For how they feel. Not in that my action caused it. 
right? right? You know what I'm saying? Does yeah. that does that of course. Do you track with that? Of okay. course. And you you mentioned the you mentioned the fall mythology, and I think when some people hear um, the Bible come up, they'll jump to I believe in the Bible or I don't believe in the Bible, and I think there's just a basic psychological significance to that story as a metaphor that. Um, regardless of your premises regarding the Bible, there's just something psychologically meaningful about it. And to put it in another set of terms that's a little bit more removed from that language, like life is unified. We live one life and uh, there's one existence is singular. Like awareness is, existence is, and yet we experience ourselves as I'm this and you're that and you're that and I need to prove that I'm this. And I think that that move for me from battling and trying to prove myself, uh, there's there's this whole theme that that hip hop is about competition and there is a sense in which it is, but I'm very bored with that. I'm very bored with the idea that creativity is about competition. I think it's lame. And I think that competition is actually beautiful because it's embedded in unity. So mm. if competition results in animosity and hostility, those events are going to fall apart quick. Sure. But when competition exists in the context of unity and friendship and camaraderie, all of a sudden it's beautiful. You want chaos couched in order. You want competition couched in loving unity. And for me, like, uh, I lost interest in the battling because I lost interest in trying to prove that I'm something. Like, what, yeah. what does that do for me? What does right. that do for me selfishly to repeatedly try to prove that I'm something and I'm someone? And those kinds of apologies, are they have something in common with that kind of hip hop where yeah. it's, it's like, I need to prove that I'm a better MC than Josiah. Why? Right. Like, what? For right. what reason? I hear you. Well, because it strengthens my ability to make beautiful art. It strengthens his ability to make beautiful art. And we're friends above and beyond that. So if it couched in that and it's for that purpose, it's meaningful. But if it's just ego and I want to prove myself and who I am, um, it's just the same as one of those like insane apologies, you know? And I think like yeah. great love and great art comes from our intuitive sense of our unity and our desire to express our unity. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, and I, I agree with that a lot. I know I battled, obviously, uh, as a youngster. And there's still the part of me, um, you know, maybe the ego side of me, which I don't necessarily think is good or bad. It's just a part of me that still wants to sometimes. Like, if I see something, I, I still I want to. It's more, but I want to test myself, not more yeah. that I want to tear somebody down. Yeah. And I think the the only competition that ever mattered to me was people that I cared about. And, you know, we, we told the story on the last episode, and, and I know that you and I have talked about it, like the competing against other artists that were around. Like you when, and Bryson going yeah, six rounds. Yeah, me and Bryson or, or uh, Dead Poets and Firing Squad, right? Putting on a live show. Those dudes, I, I lost my voice yelling for Z two nights ago. That yeah. I'll always love that guy. Yeah. But I wanted to show that we were better than them at putting on a live show. Right. Not to tear them down, but to elevate ourselves. Right. And I think part of the reason why... I never fully went into that side of, of hip hop, but also why, you know, I think that the competition's healthy when it comes from that point, right? Cause it does, it does elevate you and make you better. So sometimes I can I mean, hip hop, we talk about contradictions. I can contradict myself on this part because I feel both sides are true. Because well, I, do I think feel competition competition's is healthy. meaningful. I just don't think it's meaningful as an end. I think it's meaningful gotcha. as a means because if like I'm better able to express my wrestling, you know, with my beliefs and everything in my music, which I, I think there's somewhat, it's somewhat meaningful to do that out loud, but I'm able to do that in a more articulate and understandable way because I battled. So it made me better at writing so that I can use writing to do something meaningful. Um, 
competition also has the value that it, especially if it's improvised competition, it draws everyone in the room into the present moment. And when an entire room of people direct all their attention at one thing, everybody feels a shared oneness in that room. And right. that's meaningful and valuable. Yeah. And when you realize that I'm competing against you and you're competing against me, but we're friends above and beyond that, it helps us integrate our competitiveness with our greater capacity, which is the capacity to love. Sure. So um, that makes us more whole people. So there's all sorts of things that are meaningful about competition, but, but it, in and but of itself, point, like, like hip hop is about it. competition. It's about me being, no, it's not. Competition is about unity. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is not about competition. Competition is about competence, beauty, creativity, and unity. It serves something beyond itself. You, you feel yeah. me? Yeah, no, I, that's a really uh, insightful way of looking at it. And I don't know if I've really thought about it in those terms before, but it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that it's, I get it. You know what I'm saying? And like some parts of it, I think, um, where, I, where I think sometimes the competition's missing and I wish that some of it would come back is more in the challenging of yourself. Hell yeah. To be better at what you do. Right. Right. I, the, the competition part for me made me better. Yeah. Right. And I think when Which I talk about more authentic. Yeah. And when I talk about maybe where I where I sit on there, I'm like, I wish there was more competition in hip hop. Yeah. It that's more so what I mean. Not the I'm I'm tearing you down to lift myself up. Yeah. Which was something that I, I struggled with with battling is like because of the artists that I really connected with, I always wanted to and that idea of I want some kid who's, you know, ten years old with no one else to talk to, who's sitting in their room alone you know, punching holes in their wall. I want them to feel like they're like someone knows them and somebody cares about them. Yeah. That was so much more important to me than just smashing an MC. Yeah. And I think part of it too, was being secure in my own body enough to know that I was, I was who I was and I was confident in my skill set without having to do it. Yeah. But I knew I could, you know what I'm saying? It's like those, those really good martial artists that never fight. They're like, why don't you compete when they're like, cause I know I could do it. I know I could beat this person. Excuse me, but what does that teach me? Or yeah. what, is, what is that proving to anybody? So, And I, I think hip-hop needs more competition too because uh, it's out of balance. And when I go to shows, I think that the um, a lot of the artists on stage are not really in the present moment because it's so rehearsed and they're so thinking about... They're thinking about the past when they made the art and they're thinking about the future when they're going to put the art on social media more than they're thinking about the present moment of being on stage. They're not thinking enough about connecting directly with the audience. They're yeah. thinking too much about themselves, the, the the blob on stage standing there saying words. They're thinking about that. Jack Harlow, for example, like he has a mantra before he goes on stage. He says, it's not about you, Jack. They want a great performance. It's not about you, Jack. They want a great performance. So it's about projecting something to the audience that connects you to the audience which connects the whole room to itself. And without the competitive aspect, you're not in the moment as much. And you're also not stretching yourself to just be as like competence breeds great art. And right. then great art alludes to something transcendent in some way. Say that however you want to say right, that. Right. But art takes you beyond. It takes you up. It takes you in. Uh, it alludes to the transcendent and the more competently you make your art, the more it alludes to the transcendent, the more meaningful it is and competition aids that. So I agree. And I'm going to compete in the freestyle battles on March 9th and then I'm going to do a performance at the end. And uh, that's for the purpose of entertaining everybody, unifying everybody, showing that competition can exist in a healthy way because all the MCs are going to respect each other. Right. Um, and just giving everybody a great fucking day. That's one of the things I've really loved uh 
in most cases, you know, there's no absolutes, but in most cases, in every any battle event that I've been to, in most even battles that I've I've watched, um, there is that level of while we stand in the ring, we're gonna fight, but after the battle's over, we're gonna shake hands, and I'm gonna appreciate you for who you are. You're gonna appreciate, for, and we're gonna. There's that that mentality of like you never really true some know someone until you punch them in the face Hell or that yeah. they punch you. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Because there's, there's that sense of of completely raw and authentic and vulnerable, being vulnerable in front of another human being. Right. To that point of where there there does create that um, bond. Right. Like some of the people that you would have seen have had like the biggest fights or biggest battles, if you will, in life. At the end of it, they become very close. Right. Because you're so vulnerable in, in front of that person. And I think that that's yeah. that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. But let's uh, I want to ask you another question. But before we get yeah, too please. much further into this, I do want to make sure that we shout out the event on March 9th. You yeah. guys heard us last last episode talking about it a little bit. Uh, why don't you just take a, a few minutes to just, you know, walk people through the event from your perspective what you're looking forward to uh and just give them the details about it so when uh me and jared and vic and daniel and rough cut and johnny all sat down uh to talk about what we wanted to do for the event we wanted to do something that completely honored old school hip-hop culture but then also gave a place to new hip-hop which is not about the competition as much but more just about authentic self-expression and so uh what we decided to do is kind of separate the two so that from I think it's about 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. is going to be all of the old school hip hop shit. B-boy battles all day, DJs all day, freestyle MC battle tournament fit in between everything. And then at 10, it kind of transitions into an after party. Um, so I'm going to do a live performance. I'm going to do four songs. Vic Williamson on the drums, Dara Quinn on the keys, uh, Justin Chapman on the bass, which is an insane lineup. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy to just be by far the least talented musician <laughs> recording with these people and i'm like going home practicing a ton um so we're gonna do four songs and then transition straight into an open cypher and anybody and everybody is welcome to get up and freestyle or do something written or whatever they want to do so it'll be live musicians jamming as well as djs spinning so uh that's the after party we'll just do a really short set to just kick things off sure. and set the tone and then uh pass it on so anybody come out freestyle battles throughout hit me up if you want to sign up for that um the b-boy things hit up daniel king reds 81 if you want to sign up for that if you want to sign up for the any of the dj stuff hit up rough cut and then uh just show up if you want to hop in the cypher at the end that's amazing man i know that in the last episode i was giving a call out to any artist that like this is something that you should definitely be a part of but i think it's to have environments where you can be around people that to a level have mastered their craft or immerse themselves into a craft and to be around people that have dedicated time and energy and emotional uh efforts and all those things into being great at what they are you will leave a better artist yeah. just being in that environment right yeah. uh standing around and witnessing it and absorbing it you will leave a better artist so if you're in the area even if you're not in the area you know i we have a couple of listeners from germany if you're in germany get on a plane come over to, to <laughs> richland washington uptown theater march 9th uh, you don't want to miss it. Uh, I think we also uh, like 0.01% of our listenership is from Brazil. Come on up, hang out. Like, let's do it. Let's let's make it happen. So 0.1% of your listenership. Yeah. What's that like a hundredth of a one person? I don't know. <laughs> That's just the number that they gave me, man. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not smart enough to question their math. So I just keep it. Uh, I just keep it going. One Brazilian chick was looking for a different podcast and clicked on right. yours for a She's second. Like, oh, shanty. Like, no, this she is... listened to five seconds of it. We got to right. throw that. We got in. enough. It's, you know, it counts. Okay. It matters. <laughs> um, 
but you know we we spent quite a bit of time and and we we do probably need to wrap this up here shortly I, I don't mind if it goes a little bit long but um I wanted to ask you you know we t- we spent a lot of time talking kind of about the journey that you've gotten to this point right where you where you came from some of the different uh events and uh journeys that you've been through to get to where you are now as an artist what are you most looking forward to from this point forward (laughs) i think that uh i think that there i i'm feeling more and more like an academic rather than a musician i'm really really passionate about studying and learning and i think that there's a few uh there's a few academic fields and and like uh the academic area is a way that I can use words to express myself just like rap is. So for me, they feel like this really similar things. I guess they sound really different when I say it out loud, but um, I think there's a couple of academic fields that are really getting at what's fundamental in life. Uh, One of them is psychology because psychology is looking for what reality really is and how we can experience it as it is. And uh, physics is looking at what exactly everything is made of and what exactly is causal in the world, what's causing everything and Philosophy is looking for a source, a grounding of truth. And um, theology is looking for how to characterize the source of life and what exactly that means. And so I'm studying those fields. I did a bachelor's in um, consciousness and human potential at a yoga university. So we were looking at quantum physics explanations for why we can experience oneness in meditation and the neuroscientific evidence for that. Um, And now I'm studying transpersonal psychology at another school. So we're looking at dreams and near-death experiences and feelings of oneness and meditation and everything um and so uh and then i'm getting mentored by uh my favorite author neil douglas klotz who studies um basically uh biblical mysticism like middle eastern mysticism and how it fed into the the tradition of the west and so i'm trying to piece together the deepest information that i feel is really most useful and relevant to people i think people are really hungry for shit like that like what is the mystery of life in in modern academic terms rather than couched in religious language that constricts it and, and fucks it up and makes it lame. Um, so I'm like, I there was a, a lot of time where like I wanted to be a pastor. It was really an expression of like, I want to communicate truth that grounds people in reality and heals them and unifies them. And uh, music is really taking a back burner to that, but it's gonna be a really important part of my journey too. Because it's a way for me to think out loud about what I'm learning and how I'm wrestling with it. Because every day I'm challenging um, my assumptions about reality and who I think I am and what creativity truly is. And like, I think that's the best training for creativity. It's like to actually explore what creativity is, what your relationship to the creator is, if you consume, if you conceive of it that way, um, who you are fundamentally. I like Rick Rubin and his philosophy on creativity. So. Yeah, I'm just like a full-time student and just making music to express what I'm learning and sure. what it means to me as I go. And that's like the, the Being authentic as a future you. for me. The music's the expression of who you are in yeah. this moment. And, and, and that is uh, what you're studying and what you're going through. Yeah. Um, also, side note, uh, I'm going to just break this down. Basically, what Travis said was you other rappers need to read a damn book. <laughs> okay. No, honestly, I'm this is kidding. part. No, for real, this is part of the competition thing. I don't like is I hear way too many rap songs that are like, "I'm such a good rapper, you don't really do it like this." And I'm like, "What? You're saying nothing. Right. You're using your words to say I'm using my words better than you do when you use your words. It's like this insane circle jerk. It's like 
say something with your with your art it needs to serve some ends spread wisdom like what kendrick did with his new album like completely an intention of healing everybody that's what he wanted to do with that album it's yeah. like be like that take the time to sit with yourself for five years and then come out and say something that's useful and healing do you uh there's a movie that came out this is a silly way of connecting these dots, but I'm down. I've connected some weird ones. There's too, a though. there was a movie. I think it was Eddie Murphy that was in this movie. It, it was a comedy. I can't remember if it was Eddie Murphy, but I think it was Eddie Murphy. But basically, he only had so many words that he could say before he ran out of words. Like somebody had like cursed him or whatever. Like he was a dude that like <laughs> talked a ton or whatever. Like maybe rappers watch the movie because maybe maybe we need to put a word count on hip hop artists and how many words that they can say. Yeah. Uh, so you have to make it matter, right? Yeah. I, you know, this is gonna take me down a tangent. I hope that, whatever, I don't give a shit. So one thing I think that is different now that that maybe was different from when I started to do music, um, and this is a good thing and a bad thing, is the ab ability now to record and access to putting music out is so much more free now. Mm -hmm that I think that it's taking the value off of, some of the value off of what you say. Yeah. Because you can that. just do more. You can, and it's yeah. like back in the day, if you wanted to record something, you either had to build a studio, which wasn't cheap to do. Like I, I bought the first version of Pro Tools that was available for like the general public. Or we'd always heard about Pro Tools or whatever. Like, oh, Dre uses Pro Tools. Everybody needs to use Pro Tools, right? It was $1,000 just for the software. Right. And then the computer. And at that time, I was working at a restaurant as a dishwasher, right? Like, I had no money. But Making $2.19 right. an hour. But, we, but a group of us, we worked our asses off. We saved our money, and we, we ended up buying it. Hell Every yeah. time we recorded in there, it meant something. Right. Right? Because there was, there was a tangible value to what we were doing. Right. And if people wanted to come over and record, they had to come over prepared. They had to make the most of that moment. And you couldn't come in there and record anything whack. Yeah. Because that there was a value to me of that ability to be able to do music, right? There was like yeah. three or four places in town where you could record. So if you did get into there, A, it was going to cost you money. B, you had to do it quick. So you had to be prepared and think about what you were going to do before you did it, right? The, the quickest way to never be invited to a session again was to show up to a session and sit down and start writing. Like I would just be like, no, I would shut sessions down. Yeah. But like, no, this all this takes time and effort and money to do. And I think that because it's not as exclusive with the ability to be able to do it, mm -hmm. I think that we might have lost a little bit of that value added to what we were saying. Yeah. Because if I can record something today, you know, like we talk about Josiah and his work ethic, he's down here every night recording songs, which I think is beautiful. Like that's the beauty part of it is that everyone has access to it and right. you can test things out. And, and I think that's why we're getting elevated levels of sound and art coming out of some of these things because people can sit with them and really work through them but i think me i'm a lyrics guy and i think that a lot of the lyrics now have been watered down because it's there's not a premium on them anymore yeah you can say I feel you, that. you can record 100 songs if you want in two weeks this microphone right now i'm talking into is this at 2020 it is this costed 99 dollars. yep so anybody can can cop yep. that and then yep. a scarlet solo for another 99 dollars and a laptop right and now now you can you can be on uh put another 50 bucks on that and now all of a sudden you're on spotify yeah. You know, this podcast is on Spotify. Yeah. Which is insane to me because when we first, <laughs> when we did it 10 years ago, we were like having to put out waves and we'd have to bounce them in real time. So I would sit there for two <laughs> hours and bounce out every episode. 
That's crazy. in four different sections. And if I screwed up something, I'd have to sit and rebounce out two more hours. Then I'd have to upload them in different sections. Yeah. So and I'd have to upload them in real time. Right. So it would be another two hours just to upload the episode. Right. You know what I mean? And like, it, a that was a hindrance. It's why we had to stop doing it because I didn't have ten hours every Sunday to be able to do this thing. But I also think that that time frame or that time period, it just put a lot a big premium on what you were putting out in the world because you might yeah. not ever get another chance. There's so guys we, I know that have recorded to... one song their whole lives. Right. Because that's yeah. That's all you could get. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you you couldn't put out anything that you didn't really truly believe in. Or that you that you couldn't stand you, behind because yeah. there was no other options or other opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we have to regulate ourselves now. Yeah. And when we record, like, I I don't I think there's a we want to practice using our voice to say things that we completely mean. Like that that there's there's a when you say something out of anger, you say that wasn't really me. That was my anger because it's it was like 1% of you that meant it, right? right. And the other 99% of you was like not on board at all, but that 1% just possessed you and said it. And then there's a kind of speech where you're speaking with your real voice because all of you means what you're saying. And right. we needed like, as as any kind of vocalist or speaker, we need to train ourselves to speak in that way. And one way is to notice the resonance of your own voice. Like when you hear your own voice, does it sound like you? Are you proud to hear your own voice and what you're saying? Or, you know, a lot of people talk like, oh, yeah, man, I kind of talk like this because, like, um, yeah, I do music and everything. It's like, you don't uh, you don't even believe yourself. Right. Speak with your chest because you don't even believe what you're fucking if you don't saying. Believe with why, you, if you don't believe in you, why am I going to believe in you? Right. You know? And, right. and it's, it's, there's, there's something to be said about that. Uh, well, we've been at it for a little bit over an hour. And I, I've... First of all, let me just say, man, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Me too, man. I Thank think you so much a, for your It's time. a different type of conversation than we typically have on here, but I think it's much needed. Cool. And, I, and, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing how people react to it. But let's get to some bullshit. Because I can't, let, go, you, go. I can't let you get out of here without some quick hitting questions. Yeah, bro, we do it every time. These better be dumb. I don't know if they're really that dumb. Actually, they're not that dumb, but I'm going to work on it. If you had one album... That you had to listen to and that was the only album you ever could listen to but you had to listen to it every day what would it be you have to listen to it every day fuck um it's i can't think of which one but it would be a kendrick album okay i'm gonna say good kid mad city but that's just me i'm probably leaning damn but uh it's fine yeah i i me and kendrick have a, a weird relationship i i love i think kendrick's an amazing artist yeah um, I don't find myself connecting to his stuff as much as I would like to. Yeah. And that could be on me. Honestly, yeah. I, I'm, I'm willing to admit that I, it could be on me, but I love uh, good kid, mad city. And I love section 80. Cool. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, what is one person? If you could have any, a battle with anybody in hip hop, past, present or future, who are you battling? I lied about the last one. It's Carter Five because I have listened okay. to Carter Five like a hundred times. <laughs> right, uh, fair enough. Yeah, but uh, one battle would be Pat Stay, and he passed away last year. Oh man, he was somebody who really embodied competition while not giving a fuck about competition. Yep, he was never trying to prove that he was better than the other guy. He was always trying to clown on the other guy in a way that captivated the audience. Yep, and that's what that's what competition really is. And he usually won, so he was a good competitor. But like the, the <laughs> supposed to be quick answers. No, you're good. <laughs> Fucking Tao Te Ching is a Chinese scripture. It says uh, the sage competes with no one. Therefore, he meets no competition. Okay. So when you are completely yourself for the sake of it, rather than being better than the next guy, you'll end up better than everybody. Pat Stay embodied that. 
I to me, Pat Stay is the essence of battle rap to me, in my perspective. Yeah. Because could clown you in the building, mm-hmm. could beat you on tape, yeah, and could control the crowd. Yeah, for real. You know what I mean? Like all of those elements of what I look at as I'm I'm also a little bit older in the fact that I to me battles need to be directed towards somebody and you're like I this whole win on tape, win on in the building. To me, the building is the only one that matters. Mm. I, I, I appreciate yeah. things on tape. I appreciate learning things different. Yeah. But if you didn't win in the building, you didn't win. Yeah, I feel that. Because that's the essence of the sport, right? You, right. You, don't, you don't have a basketball game and then you lose the game and then they go watch later on. They're like, well, they actually did play better than those guys. Right. They should have won. I think they won the game, actually. No, the, sc- the score mattered. Right. And in battle rap, the crowd is the score. Absolutely. Unless it's judged, but that's a whole nother. We don't need to get all on that. So past yeah. day, I like that. Uh, I have a reply, but I won't give it to you. I'll just wait till the next question. No, you can give me a reply. That's fine. Okay, that's a very that's an old school MC perspective on it because like, uh, in our in our generation, the what the content that we put online is just as real as the content that we put out in person. There's, it's okay. reaching more people. It's facilitating more connection. But the MC, an MC, is somebody who can facilitate the energy of a room. A rapper is somebody who can use words very well in a rhythmic, expressive, creative way. And gotcha. so it makes sense, you know, for someone from your generation to say it's only about your ability to facilitate the room better than the other guy right. so that you turned everybody against him. And in our generation, it's like, no, that's one element of it. But it's also what are you doing in the video? Because it's real human beings watching the video. Sure. You know? No, that, that's completely so both fair. valid in just yeah. two different generational ways of seeing completely it. fair. I'm learning, too, as I. You know, I'm getting into my Clint Eastwood get off my lawn stage in life sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm learning I'm learning too that the different ways that generations think of things and realizing the beauty within them. Yeah. And I'm still me. I still I still think of things a certain way, but, no, I, but I'm up. open to to understanding them. Yeah. Uh are you going to challenge Daniel to a B boy battle at the show? No, sir. Why not? I'm going to challenge him to an MC battle because he told me that when he was like in middle school, he did a rap for a girl and he got embarrassed and that's why he doesn't rap. Ooh. And so I wrote a whole verse about that. I hope he listens to this. Let's go. Dead ass. I'm about it. Uh, we talked a bit about a show, right? That's part of the reason March why this 9th. conversation, we wanted to chat anyway, but, but the show. So if you could go, if you could go and attend one show, past, present or future, what would you have gone to? I've seen this video so many times of DMX performing for like 80,000 people. Oh my God. That would be so sick because his ability to facilitate an audience to feel like, I've got friends who are like pretty timid white girls who listen to DMX because they love the fucking power that it instills in them. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's the God of power. He's just like, you can fucking like, uh, for him to do that to a crowd of tens of thousands of people and to experience that feeling would be so sick. Uh, I listen to DMX before I go into important business meetings. Hell yeah, dude. Like legitimately, I, because right. I'm like, I have to find my zone. You gotta wake up that I gotta dog find, my, find my spirit animal, right? Like right. Of, of You're that. barking in the car before I will you go watch, I will watch that YouTube video before I sit down talking to like a CEO of like a major corporation and be like, <laughs> this is how I'm going to approach this, right? I'm going to... Yeah. And, and the the beauty of that particular performance is when you watch like documentaries about that event, right? It's all mostly rock. There's whole bands, there's whole stage shows, even like other rappers that are do things. They have like big crews and stuff on stage. That dude stood in front of all of them by himself in some in some jorts, uh, uh, you know, overalls, 
right? And some and some Tims. Yeah, dude. And stood by himself in front of all of them. And you could feel like on a video, you could feel the waves of energy. Yeah. Coming out. Oh, it's just, you got me. You like picked the perfect one for me because that's yeah, that's my shit. Um let me see. I got one more question for you. If you weren't a rapper, but you had to pick one other element of hip hop, what would it be? Mm, it would definitely be uh, b-boying. Like actually, when uh, I'm performing or like pre- preparing for the show on March 9th, yeah. right? So I'll like watch these like corny like uh, how-to hip-hop dance videos on YouTube because it's helping me learn how to express physically what I'm expressing verbally, okay. and uh, I find so much joy in that. I did Taekwondo for a long time. Okay. And my favorite element of Taekwondo was the tricks. We were doing all kinds of crazy spinning tricks and stuff, so I can still do some of those tricks and. Uh, so are we yeah, gonna dancing. get like a, a double spinning heel kick on stage during no. your set? No, I'm out of practice on that. I would throw well, something. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta take a chance. I the first time that I performed with a live band, which was uh, November of 2018, I uh, I danced like crazy in the set, and I never I was I would always be the one to just be like I don't dance. Right. And in that performance, I was dancing. And when I saw videos later myself dancing, I was like, that looks pretty fucking good. And yes. then when I started going out to the club, I started dancing and realizing I really enjoyed it. And uh, so now I'm just exploring it as a way to... It's another form of expression. Yeah, and it, it's, really is. it gives a greater congruency when the artist is expressing physically what they're saying verbally and it lines up with the beat and it just gives you a more whole experience. So I, I would dancing, say bro. to all of our Shantonians, the, the millions of you listening in Brazil and Germany... And the tens of twenties that are listening in the Tri Cities, uh, let's start a hashtag. Let's uh, make Travis dance again. Um, I think that we need to get that going. Uh, I'd like to see signs at the show. Um, if you decide to break out into random chants, um, I will support that. Um, however, that you want to express yourself, since we're all about expressions, to make Travis, I want to see you try to bust that move that Daniel was saying, like the the nine. What was it? Nine hundred. Nineteen ten or something. Nineteen ten. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see 1910. that. Okay. You can spit on your hand. Yeah, for sure. Okay. You guys hear it here, exclusive on the Shanty Radio. Travis is going to do a 1910 on March Easily. 9th at the Uptown Theater. Doors open at 1 o'clock. You're going to be able to see B-Boy battles, freestyle rapping and battles, uh, graffiti and art creation, DJ expedi- or expeditions. Whoa. Uh, DJing, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Help me out here. You're smart. You're, you're, not, you're academic. I'm not psychic. Uh, <laughs> Uh, exhibiting or examples um, uh, of DJing opportunities at the, what I was what I'm really trying to say of to be in There's the culture. No way, that's what he was trying to say. No, right? it was like uh, no what way. is the word I'm trying You're to say? You're not looking for the word opportunities not, the whole time, dude. I know I wasn't, but don't let the <laughs> truth get in the way of a good story. You're like I'm DJ ec- exhibits. exhibits exhibits, but I was trying to think of like. Another way of saying exhibits is what I was trying to say. Okay, hell yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to exhibit. Their <laughs> they're going to exhibit DJs. their skills. They are, uh, and you can be a part of it. And uh, yeah, can, come up and join the cipher at the end. Everybody's welcome. Absolutely, Same there's gonna be whatever. food trucks there too. I know it'll be a long day, but you don't gotta go anywhere. They're gonna have food there for, for you to eat uh, and all that stuff. So we look forward to seeing you guys there. I will be there, um, yelling for the ten or the nineteen ten or whatever it's Maybe called. Maybe do some live. We could set you up a booth, and you could do a couple live interviews in the lobby. I'm with it. Let's do it. Cool. That would be really cool. Um, anyway, man, again, I appreciate you, man. I have from the moment, uh, you know, that we reconnected and, and knowing you as a youngster and not really knowing you, but seeing you do battles and, and running into at different times. Uh, I will say as a, as someone who's been doing this for a long period of time, it's inspiring to see your growth. 
Mm-hmm. It's inspiring to see what you're doing with your art. Um, it's it's inspiring to see your openness to be vulnerable and to be in the moment and to be authentic. And I think that it's something that hip hop in general could use more of. I won't say it's lacking because there's probably a lot of it and I'm not exposed to all of it. Uh, but it's definitely something that we could use more of. And so for anybody listening to this, make sure you support uh, the things that Travis is doing. Make sure you come out to the show on March 9th. Uh, and anytime you're putting out new stuff, we would love to play more of them than you would like us to. Uh, and make sure, that people, <laughs> make sure people can hear your art. So appreciate you, man. Anything you, you want to say to the people before we get out of here? Chris Davis is the best father in town. Uh, let's go. He's fucking great. Appreciate you, man. All right, fellas. Uh, we out of here. Shantonians, love you guys. Have a good night uh, to our listeners in Brazil and Germany. Word up. <laughs>